Are you the chief operations officer for your house? Meaning that you're the stay-at-home spouse and you're wondering, what about retirement? What about social security? Is it okay if I build it up or should I just rely upon my working spouse? Guys, we're gonna cover that on a very special episode of Ask the Money Guy in the Money Guy studio. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. So I'm actually so excited about this episode, Brian, because you just said something. This is going to be an Ask the Money Guy. So for those of you out there listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and some of our audible formats, you may be asking, hey, what is this Ask the Money Guy thing you're talking about? We actually have an entire dedicated segment that we do every single week where you guys send us questions or go out to your favorite social and use the hashtag AskTheMoneyGuy, and we will actually, actually answer your questions directly. Well, the question that we're answering today came from the Money Guy website, moneyguy.com. And we thought it was so good, we wanted to actually not just make it an ask segment, we wanted to make it an extended ask segment. But this is what you want to hear. You know, we talked a little bit about how this is going to be about stay at home spouses, but it's not isolated there. If you are married, this is going to be a good show for you. If you are someone who makes over $200,000 a year, this is going to be a good show for you. If you are someone who makes under $200,000 a year, this is going to be a good show for you. You just said everybody. And if you're single, this is going to be a good show for you. If you fit into those four categories, today's show is going to make sense. You did a coin flip with a crooked quarter that has two heads on it. Yeah, I know. That's great. Okay, Kate, we'll read the question because this is great from Kate. So I want to hear moneyguy.com. Kate, thank you for the question. Let it rip, Bo. She says, hey, I love this show. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm curious. I love it when I went off, which y'all can see off camera is that more, I guess, let it rip was enough to get him cracked up. So keep it, let it rip, Bo. What does Kate have to say? She said, hi, I'm Kate from California. I love the show. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm curious what your advice would be for us non-working parents in terms of saving for retirement. Should we be setting up our own IRAs, or is it okay to rely on our husband's retirement and Social Security? Thanks for your consideration, Kate. First, I thought this was a great topic in the fact that I, my wife is what I consider the chief operations officer. Sure. I know your wife. Same thing. She has a she has a side hustle that's very successful, yep. but she's also the chief operations for officer sure. for your house. I thought it would be great that there's an annual salary survey. It's salary.com does its annual mom salary survey. I thought that was it should be just annual stay-at-home parent, but um, the stay-at-home moms are worth, according to this research, $163,000 a year. So, um, so they quantified the value of the domestic skills that a stay-at-home spouse brings to the relationship, and the value of that is $163,000 a year salary. And it, and it kind of confirms what um, I, I tell my wife all the time. I think she is priceless. S- somebody text her. To, to One of the, the friends text her so she knows to listen to this episode. Or, or YouTube. She's just not going to do it. So... But this is highlighting something that is probably both an opera. It's definitely a financial opportunity for, for for this financial household. But it might very well as be a bone of contention. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to kind of first before we, let's go with the bad news before we get to the good news. Let's okay. talk about how this can be a, a bone of contention in sure. a financial household. Is that unfortunately 
Divorce is more common than we'd like to admit in America. Yeah, it almost feels like it's it's more surprising when you meet someone who's been married for 30, 40, 50 years, and it's the first marriage. You know, it just doesn't seem like it's an incredibly common thing And anymore. it does create some perceived, uh, some real, but is uh, but also some perceived insecurities mm-hmm. from the spouse that is not working outside sure. of the house. And I've even, I'll, I'll just share... Um, we had a divorce in our family and, uh, you know, not, not, not me and my wife, but a family member. And that because of that divorce, I think it did create some some insecurities where my wife was asking me, well, what do I what do I have in my name? Sure. You know, is, is this all you know, I know you have the business. I know we have retirement accounts. What if this is actually listed in my name? And then but we talked about it in show prep. It gets exasperated because we are big people since we're the financial people of our household we give an annual net worth statement to our wives that's right we make it a big um, uh, ceremony you know make it a great thing where we're sharing the progress of the year but it also highlights what each of us have mm-hmm. in each of our names whether right. it's in you know what you know husband wife and then, and then it has joint assets so it all breaks it out and they don't they don't grow completely linear linearly you know because of just the way the system is structured so it's not always exactly equal and so that that this discrepancy gets highlighted in that annual ceremony. That but I will tell you, I think that so psychologically, I think there's definitely huge benefits to having assets in both spouses' name. I also think that there's some asset leveling strategies, mm-hmm. you know, because look, estate planning now that it's over 11.4 million yeah. per person, it's not necessarily an estate tax issue, but maybe for your local state, that's right, you know, estate issues. Having assets in both names is actually a very beneficial thing. Yeah, if you if you're not aware of that, just because the federal exemption for state tax purposes goes up to twenty two million dollars for a married couple, that doesn't mean that the state that you live in has those same levels. So make sure you understand your state probate laws. Those of you that live in Illinois is a great example, as well as the federal estate laws. So let's transition and talk about opportunities. I've given you the glass half empty. Let's mm-hmm. kind of talk about the glass half full opportunity of. Being a stay-at-home spouse and what that means for you for building your own level of assets. So the first thing you can, and this is the powerful thing that Kate was referring to, when you are a stay-at-home spouse, you can actually, because remember, all retirement accounts, whether you're talking about traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, they require a key component called earned income. That's right. Well, when you're a stay-at-home spouse, you have not necessarily earned a, a, a W-2. You don't have a generated You don't have income. a W-2. So what you can use, though, is you can actually use the earned income of your working spouse. Mm-hmm. So they can have an IRA. You can have an IRA. You just have to have enough earned income from at least one of the spouses to cover both of you. So that's, that's right. a tremendous, powerful thing. The other thing that I like to talk about is that there might be a huge tax savings opportunity yep. from this. Um, if you think about it, you can fund in 2019, you can fund six thousand dollars if you're under 50. Once you're 50 and over, you can actually do a thousand dollar catch up and do seven thousand dollars a year. And you file, and if you file a joint return and even if your spouse has a retirement plan at work, as long as your income is less than $193,000, you can do a deductible traditional IRA contribution as the non-working spouse using their earned income. See, I told you, if you have under $200,000 of income, this is the show for you. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. So yeah, so you can fund just a regular traditional IRA. That's what we just laid out. But you aren't limited to just being able to do traditional IRAs if you're a stay-at-home spouse. You can also do one of our favorite investment vehicles, 
the Roth IRA. And remember, the reason we love Roth IRAs is they're completely tax free. When you pull it, so you don't get a tax deduction when you fund it. But down the road with all that compounding interest that's going to your army of dollar bills working for you, you it's magical what happens to that's this right. money. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> a 35 year old yep. contributes $6,000 into their Roth IRA. They don't get a tax deduction, but just assuming a, an 8% rate of return for the next 30 years, they retire right. at 65, that $6,000 contribution is now going to be worth close to $60,000. So there is 54, you know, it's actually $66,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 60,000 of it is going to be completely the growth or the, the, the compounding part, and it's going to be completely tax-free. That's exciting, but what I think is really exciting is if you think about that, not just in an isolated one-year term, every $6,000 Roth IRA contribution could be worth sixty-six or close to $66,000. So you do that for four, five, six, seven years, it gets really really, really exciting. Once again, you have to make less than, you have, the, the phase out begins 193,000 for married couples, up to $203,000. So pay attention to what you make. And I do wanna give one more shout out about the traditional IRAs yeah. that we had talked about. If your working spouse does not have access to a retirement plan, mm -hmm. actually there's no cap on what your income is to make them two completely deductible IRA contributions. Right. I thought that was an important to make sure we had that pickup point. Yeah, so if your spouse makes a million dollars a year, but there is no 401k, there is no other type of retirement plan for them, you both can deduct. That's a, that's a great point. Um, so we said, you know, if you make under, under $200,000, the show is for you. However, if you make over 200,000 or maybe your spouse does have access to a 401k or a type of retirement plan, if you're someone who's participating in some sort of IRA conversion strategy, maybe you're someone who has traditional IRA assets or you contribute to traditional IRAs and you convert those to Roth because that's part of a strategy, not only can the working spouse as earned income do that, but the non-working spouse can also take advantage of those strategies if your accounts are set up the right way. Uh, so just know that's a, a pretty exciting planning So you're saying available. there's a way to fund Roth IRAs, even if your income is over the 193 that's, to 203,000, exactly if you have the right structure, and you know, through a conversion type strategy. That's exactly right. Okay. So that so okay. So we're just talking about uh, for non-working spouses, right? Who are going to do what's called a spousal IRA based on spouse's income. Well, I know that uh, a lot of stay-at-home spouses are like my wife. They might do some sort of side hustle, either just to keep them busy, to add to the family, whatever the case may be. If your stay-at-home spouse has a side hustle. Not only are you know traditional or Roth IRA something you ought to consider, but you really might want to think about a SEP IRA, which is basically your spouse as a side hustler is actually a business owner. So yeah. they can actually sponsor a retirement plan for the benefit of the side hustle business that they're running. So SEP IRAs are a great planning opportunity. And then solo 401ks are also a great planning opportunity. And by the way, the numbers don't have to be gigantic for this. No. Even if your spouse just does something on the side and makes a couple hundred bucks of side income, there's a chance that all of that income is going to be subject to self-employment taxes. It's all going to be subject to ordinary income taxes. A retirement plan is a great way to start offsetting some of that tax liability. Well, giving guidance between the SEP and SOLO, I always tell people, if you're a person that can save around 20% mm -hmm. of the income of the side hustle, SEP IRAs are great. And also SEP IRAs are a great way to go back in time. Maybe you get your meet with your accountant and you realize, oh my goodness, 
you know, this side hustle generated some taxes. Right. How do we fix this? Is there a deduction you can give me for last year? SEP IRAs are your magical go back in time yep. machine. So, so look at that. Solo 401ks give you all the benefits of like a SEP, mm-hmm. of, of meaning that you can save 20 to 25% of what you make with the side hustle. Plus you get to stack on top the salary deferral, which for a person under, you know, 50 years of age is $19,000 a year. You get to put another 6,000 if you're over, if you're 50 and over. Um, The only thing you have to do a solo 401k, the the salary deferral by year end. So it requires Mm -hmm. a little more vision planning. You can't go back in time like you can with a SEP IRA. And here's the other really great planning opportunity. If you do a SEP IRA and you are someone, one of those those individuals who can't uh, do traditional Roth, so you're doing like this uh, Roth conversion strategy, a SEP IRA will preclude you from being able to do that tax-free. If you have a solo 401k, that does not factor into the calculation of Roth IRA conversions. So just keep in mind, that might be a reason to do one Good, great point. Over the other. So talk about Social Security because she's, you know, if you think about what Kate talked about, she specifically said, how about Social Security should rely upon my working spouse's income? Yeah, so a lot of spouses, you know, they made the decision pretty early on that they're going to stay home, right? Whether it be to be the domestic head of the household or to watch after kids. So they may not even have enough working hours, working quarters to have qualified for Social Security. So what does that mean? There's no Social Security benefit for them. That's actually not the case. If you are married and your spouse is eligible for Social Security, when you hit full retirement age, you too may also be eligible for a spousal benefit up to potentially 50% of your spouse's full retirement age benefit. So if your husband or wife has a social security benefit of $3,000 a month when they get a full retirement age and you start drawing at your full retirement age, you could draw up to $1,500 a month in social security. So there's a great benefit for those non-working spouses through the social security system. So definitely pay attention to that. Some huge benefits, even if you haven't been contributing yep. on a monthly basis with work. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. You went ahead, you took these show notes in a completely different direction, which I thought made it a lot better, Bo. You talked about pensions, you know, because yeah. you, you have to think about survivorship benefits. Right. What, what, what did you mean when you added that to the show notes? Yeah, so a lot of folks who have pensions, before you begin selecting your pension, you have to choose. Do I want to just base this on my lifetime? I want to get the maximum benefit available, so as long as I'm here on this earth. You can do that, but one of the things that happens is if you kick the bucket, there is no residual benefit, no leftover benefit for your spouse. So when you select your pension benefit, if your spouse doesn't have access to Social Security or other types of retirement assets in their name, you may be someone who makes a lot of sense if you do a 100% joint and survivor pension option so that if you're not here, your spouse can still receive that benefit. I always tell people, this is one of those times where you might want to have a financial advisor because sure. whenever people are analyzing pensions, they're not all created equally. And so we actually, and, and I have a lot of people because they'll, they'll give you that offer for a lump sum or they'll give you the offer for, you know, taking the annuitized income stream. Right. A lot of people say, well, I always want the lump sum. I'm like, ooh, hold your, hold, your, right. hold your horses because there's a chance that they use some crazy assumptions when they design their pension that you might actually want to take the annuity stream yep. instead of the lump sum. But you're exactly right. It's also looking at that single life versus joint and survivor benefits all that stuff is designed very custom to each pension that's set up out there. So you need to measure twice, cut once. That's a great time. Don't wait until a week before you have to make the deadline on your pension determination. Get with a financial advisor beforehand because we've 
We've even helped people on prospect calls where we've gotten uh-huh. gift baskets right. and fruit, you know, fruit baskets because we, it was a godsend to get some of these things answered yep. that we considered common sense, but we just helped them walk through all the things. So reach out moneyguy.com or Baum Wealth, and we can help out on, on some of that stuff if you have questions. Now, if we're going to be talking about stay-at-home spouses, one of the things that we would be remiss to mention is just because a stay-at-home spouse does not have earned income, we just quantified that their actual value to the household is like $163,000. We would argue that there is an insurable interest that a stay-at-home spouse or someone who's home caring for the kids or doing the COO, chief operations officer, there is an insurable interest on their life, so they need to have life insurance in place. We thought that was so important, we actually did an Ask the Money Guy segment on that very question. So if you haven't had a chance to go check it out, go look at that segment. If you didn't know that we did that segment, uh, so follow us on YouTube, click the follow button, hit the bell. Is yeah. it a bell? Winners ding the bell. So follow ding the bell. Ding the bell and you'll get updates every time we release new shows like that. If you're a stay-at-home spouse or if you're married to a stay-at-home spouse, you should check that out because life insurance is something that also makes sense. And, and I'll go, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, is that a lot of times, especially young, the people that are in the child-rearing years, you're young, mm-hmm. term life insurance is a lot cheaper that you would be, you're, you just got to go look at ensuring that need because you might be as the worker, if your spouse gets killed or, or something unexpected happens, you might be out of commission for a few months yep, too. For so sure. it sure benefits you to have the flexibility to you know get yourself in the right place and also not negatively impact the financial health. That's exactly right. So guys, the, Kate, spectacular question. I mean, I got to tell you, this is the first Ask the Money Guy that has generated two super powerful episodes. We did one for the YouTube channel with Ask the Money Guy, and now we've done a kind of an extended Ask the Money Guy right here in the Money Guy studio. So Kate, thank you so much for asking. Bo, anybody else who's got some questions out there, tell them how to connect with us. Yeah, if you have a question you want us to answer directly, you can go out to your favorite social, use the hashtag Ask the Money Guy, or you can go directly to our website, moneyguy.com, click on Ask a Question, send us your question. We read every single one of them. We don't get to answer every single one of them, but every single question that comes through. Brian and I personally read. Uh, And so we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, something you want us to talk about, reach out. Or if you have a way for us to make the show better, more valuable for you, we want to hear it. And then last thing, you you hear this and you're like, man, these guys answer questions. They give away tons of free advice. What can I do to pay it forward? That's what we call the abundance cycle. We want you to be so successful that when you reach that level of success, Maybe where Kate or somebody else is who has, you know, pension decisions, social security or other things like that. You know, let us look over your shoulder or let us be, you're the CEO of this great thing. You've got a chief operations officer with your spouse, stay-at-home spouse. How about bringing in some professional CFOs also to help out with those things that are going on in your financial life? What a tight analogy. Yeah. Did you just come up with that or do you think? Yeah, come on. We've been doing this. We're going on well into two decades, Bo. You learned some tricks. You just designed an entire executive team right there on the spot. Well, that's what we are, an executive team. So go to moneyguy.com, go to Abound Wealth, definitely do the Contact Us page, and then we're going to go beyond common sense and help take that relationship to the next level and definitely put that army of dollar bills to work for you. I'm your host, Brian, with Mr. Bo Hansen. Bo and Brian, out. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. 
a bound wealth management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 